We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Good to see you today. Howdy. Good to have everybody here joining us. Um, I'd, some of people may have noticed this past week, or maybe it was about a week and a half ago by the time they see this, that our YouTube channel reached 2,000 subscribers. Wow, cool. Yeah. Very good. So we're still not a huge channel or anything out there on the internet, but that's a milestone for us to celebrate nonetheless. And for a lot of you that watch, thank you for being subscribers. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, I'd encourage them to do that. You know, you click the little subscribe and bell button and all that. He's looking at me like, what does that even mean? You on YouTube, a lot of you know what that I means. I watch it all the time, but I've never subscribed, and I'm even on the program, so I guess I'll have to hit that button. Yeah. Do I, I don't have to pay, do I? You don't have to pay a thing. <laughs> okay. No. Um, but it, it really does help as far as kind of raising our rankings when people search for different keywords <clears> and things. <throat> And when you see a video on a subject, if you're looking at someone who has 100 subscribers versus a couple thousand, you know, you tend to trust that for gotcha. better or worse. So if you can, that would be a big help to us. So on to today's topic. So Dan, what benefit is there to learning more, to kind of sitting under biblical teaching? And is that necessary for our growth as Christians? Well, there's lots of benefit, and the reason we're asking this question is I think both of us see a marked lack of interest among a lot of people to to really learn, to really um, eagerly accept teaching, to attend Bible classes, to, to study on their own, and... Um, yeah, there's almost a look, I've learned enough, I know the books of the Bible sort of mentality. And when you start to engage on anything much deeper, it's almost like, why do we even, yeah. why, why are we bothering with this? It's almost like a kid in an in a advanced math class who doesn't intend to be an engineer, <laughs> and he says, what does this matter? This matters nothing to my life, so why oh, do yeah. I need to do it? Yeah, of course, I remember that sitting in geometry. Everybody always said, why do I need geometry? Why do I need... And then the majority of them a few years out go, oh, you know, when they're figuring up carpet for their house or the size of a car or various things related to yep. adult life, you know. Yep. Okay, so first of all, you know, everybody knows Jesus was a teacher. Uh, John seven sixteen, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew 7, you know, the great Sermon on the Mount. Oh, yeah. About all the, the heart morality that God wants his people to have if they submit to his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, let me get all this. sorts of bells and whistles going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, that um, sermon ends in Matthew 7, 
about verse 28 or so. And what does it say there, Brother Jed? It says, When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as one of their scribes. So this rather lengthy lesson in comparison to the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees versus what Jesus was trying to tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, people were enthralled. People were amazed. It touched their their minds and their hearts. It, it raised questions. It made them think. Mm. It set them back on their heels. It, it threatened to change them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's many things in Matthew 5 through 7 that are easy just kind of tickle your ear sort of teaching. It was very it was very challenging. Yeah. Um, so that was Jesus's teaching. Now in the Great Commission, when Jesus sent his disciples out with the what we call the Great Commission, mm-hmm. you know, in Matthew twenty eight twenty, he said, after go make disciples, baptizing them, he said, teaching them what? Uh, to observe all that I've commanded you. So teaching them. Yeah. Just just when you become a Christian and you understand the basics of, excuse me, the sin of man and the love of God and what he's done in Christ and the death of Christ and his resurrection and that he's Lord and that we need to give our lives to him. And then, you know, he, there seems to be a three dots there, you know, continue teaching them everything that I have commanded. Mm. And in Acts 2, after the 3,000 were baptized... Okay. Notice speci- uh, specifically Acts chapter 2, verse 41, excuse me, 42. Okay. 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This this word devoted themselves is an interesting word. It's the word proskartaruntis, and it means to, to have a deep religious devotion to something. <clears throat> they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching means they were really all about learning more, listening more to the teaching of the apostles. Yeah. And, of course, we have that teaching encapsulated in the New Testament. Sure. And uh, so teaching is important for salvation in the first place because Mm -hmm. everybody that was ever saved in the book of Acts, they heard a message. They understood the the word yeah you know you you learned that basic understanding at least of who jesus is and what he's doing for you and the commitment you would be making to him that's right okay and you know some people have asked and as part of the the preface to this video you know how much does a person have to know to be saved and they look at the speeches and acts and things and they see the basic fundamentals of the gospel being presented there Mm -hmm. and then the person is baptized into christ and that person is saved yeah so what's the big deal about having to be in Bible classes and Bible studies and all that all the time? Yeah. Do I need to understand all the bits and pieces, or do yeah. I just need that main point sort of idea? But you'll understand that in the book of Acts itself, those people devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings after they were mm. baptized into Christ. Yeah. And, um, you know, Paul was always teaching in Second Timothy— Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 4, he gives the evangelist a charge. And look at verse, um, oh, just read 1 through 4 there, 1 okay. through 5 there. Sure. 
He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teachings, but will have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves <clears throat> teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. All right, so there you have, you know, with all patience and teaching. Mm-hmm. Teaching takes time. Teach, teaching takes repetition. Teaching takes depth of understanding. To change a person's thinking over time mm-hmm. takes willing learners and willing teachers, and it takes reflection over what's being taught, and it has to be taught again and again and again yeah. in order to be understood to the point that it produces conviction and conversion, not just in the original sense, right. but in the growing, developing sense of things. Well, I think about a lot of the letters that were written you know, to Corinth, to Ephesus, to all these different places. They were steeped in a culture that wasn't Jewish to begin with. So right. they had that initial, okay, they were taught about Christ, you know, and kind of some of the history there and what he was fulfilling and all this sort of thing. But then when you read the letters, you can still see that they were continuing to need that extra training and teaching of why they shouldn't do some of the things they did before or why they're yeah. doing the things that have been taught. Pagan morality was what we would call amorality. It was non-existent. Uh, pagan worship mm-hmm. and cultic practices were so diametrically different than God's design for worship. Yeah. And so culturally to to be shown and convinced um, and to be convicted that this is the right way. This is the way we need to do this. This is good. This is what I'm going to do. That takes patience and teaching long term. And our, our lives change through the gospel and through an initial submission to Jesus. But God continues to change us through his word if we let him. Right. Because I think sometimes when people hear a discussion like this, they hear, Oh, they're talking about teaching and training and learning more. And so they're thinking about, oh, they're wanting us to be like theologians and to know all the arguments from all these guys from all over time and, you know, to break down all the different views of the Trinity. And, you know, and we're saying there's a benefit and probably more direct application to just the if you continue to draw close to those core things that we're supposed to stand out in almost. Right. And and, you know. It's the idea of maturing. The Bible is very, you know, it, it, it warns, number one, against falling away. Number two, it, mm. it, it encourages us, it commands us to grow. Yeah. And really, if we're not growing spiritually, we're dying or drifting spiritually. Mm. So um, Hebrews 2, 1, Therefore, let us give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest perhaps we drift away from them. Yeah. Well, it is our nature to drift, yeah. right? And, yeah. and and continual teaching and continual confirmation and continual understanding changes a person's thinking to the degree that they're not prone to drift and they want to know those things. Mm. I, I almost would compare it to, you know, if you're around someone and going to a trivia night, as an example, yeah. 
and you're just super surprised at all the stuff that person knows about music or about sports or about whatever, well, that's because they've spent a lot of time studying it or listening to it and maybe not opening a textbook, but they watch videos, they watch documentaries, they listen to podcasts. Yep. They're kind of immersed in it. And so sometimes teaching and learning from the Bible just means are you immersing yourself in it or is it that sort of once or twice every now and again when I get time sort of sort of thing? Right. And uh, teaching, regular teaching in the sense of I'm talking about us teaching ourselves or, or mm -hmm. really soaking up good teaching, um, it really is key and necessary to spiritual growth, and, and I believe it's necessary to be faithful mm. over the long haul. Uh, let, let's look at a scripture, 1 Timothy 4, uh, 13, and then verse 16. 1 Timothy 4, 13, and then 16. 1 Timothy 4. Yep. 16, you said? 413 and four then 416. Okay. 413 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And then skipping to 16, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. All right. So Timothy's working with the church at Ephesus. Mm -hmm. This isn't talking about teaching outsiders this is right. talking about his teaching of the people that are christians in the church at ephesus take heed to yourself your example and to your teaching your teaching is really really important timothy why is it important because by taking heed to yourself and your teaching you'll save both yourself and mm -hmm. those that are hearing you people need to be instructed and receive instruction in the bible we're not just talking about facts like how many apostles were there or you know all that stuff we're talking about understanding mm -hmm. the message the thematic messages of the bible so that those impact your life so that they change you right uh, you know the bible says in um second peter you know add to your faith add to your virtue yeah there in that first chapter yeah second peter 1 5 giving mm -hmm. all diligence read a little bit there all right so starting in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control self with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, if these are yours and increasing. Now keep going. It says, for whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So if you practice these qualities, yours says, mine says, if you do these things, mm -hmm. which includes increasing in your knowledge of the Bible, you will yeah. never fall. But there's an implication there that if you don't do these things, yeah. then you will. Because the whole book of Second Peter is about the danger of falling away and what we can do to remain faithful and learning and teaching Right. Is one of those key points. 3.18 says grow. Yeah. And he makes sure and says, and make sure you're learning from the right teachers. You know, like there's there's an element of, oh, well, I'm learning because I'm just 
kind of grabbing different sources, and it's about the Bible. Yes. And about the Bible does not always mean good teaching. How gullible do you think the average member of the Church of Christ is today about every <laughs> kind of teaching that comes down the pike from anybody? I would hate to put a number on how gullible, but I would say it is not uncommon to hear something brought up and then be like, where'd we get that from? Yeah, I think they're super gullible. I'll let you say that. Because <laughs> uh, many of them simply have not invested enough in learning the, the scriptures to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong in teaching. They read the every latest paperback, or they, they watch all the videos, but they don't know enough about their Bible to know, mm. is this right or is this wrong? Now, a really good passage on this ha is, has to do with elders, mm -hmm. Titus 1.9. And, of course, uh, one of the functions of elders in the local congregation is supposed to be teaching. to teach and watch over the teaching, Titus 1.9. says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. All right. Doctrine means teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So an elder that is actually an elder by God's standards should be able to instruct people in the biblical teaching, and he should be able to point out if somebody is not teaching what is biblical. Mm. See? <clears throat> but in order to have those kinds of elders, we have to have people growing... Yeah, in, in the word, word to the point that they can do that. Yeah, I would say maybe to speak back to your question about gullibility or something, but I think some of this is just training and people's people aren't used to doing this. But if you read a paperback or if you're reading someone's commentary, <clears throat> if it's a long string of just their thoughts with no like scripture reference or backup, just keep in mind that that's their thoughts and opinions not gospel. But even but if, if it, there is a scripture reference... I was going to say, if it gives a scripture reference, make sure and go read that scripture and the context of it. And if it doesn't seem clear, give it a look. Because even the best of authors still fall into the, well, that had the word I liked, and they'll throw it in every now and again. And yeah. that's maybe not, not saying that they do that out of ill intent, but it has happened enough when I'm reading different things and you're reading things that yeah. it's just something to be aware of. You know, Just because yes. there's a scripture reading, scripture reference does not necessarily mean that it's an absolute, oh, they took that truth out of Bible. Now, now people that are mature, stable, consistent, long-term faithful Christians are usually always people who are in their, in their Bibles. They're in their mm. Word. They're continually... Oh, yeah. Uh, letting God's word shape and mold them through the ups and downs of life. Uh, you know, you can't draw near to God without drawing near to his word. Um, I was thinking of another scripture now, and it just left my That's all right. mind. Um, You've got enough of them that we've gone through. Well, we have, sure. I know, yeah. but I, I, I feel like... I feel like that instead of guilting people out there about I'm not in enough Bible classes or whatever. Yeah. Um, learning the Bible is something that you have to acquire a taste for it. You have to you have to read sequentially. You can't just read piecemeal and learn the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. You have to, like I suggest to a lot of people in the beginning, read Luke and Acts. Right. Um, and read the story sequentially several times through and learn and think about what it means. And when you read a book, do that. But if you'll spend time every day in your own Bible and you mark in your Bible and you you write notes in your Bible and you pray over what you've read and think about how it applies to you and you take seriously when you study the Bible and if there's a lesson and if the teacher's bringing something out, you read along and you make your notes and you put question marks and say, I'm not so sure about that because of this over yeah. here. And you really think in that process will change you and help you to depend on and help you to grow in. And the more you do it, the more you will want to do it. It's like coffee. Okay. The first time you taste coffee, oh. <laughs> you go, you know, yeah. but the more you drink it, it's addicting. Is the that more you like it. See? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, so it's sort of like <clears throat> that. And, and it, um, and it is the, don't make the mistake of thinking you have to jump in to specific places, you know, like you have to start at Genesis and then read all the way through the same way. If someone said, came to me and went, Jed, I really like music and I'd like to learn more about it. I wouldn't then go, well, here, read an autobiography or a biography about Mozart, knowing full well that they're more of a pop rock sort of person. Wasn't he the guy that was deaf and... No, that's, no. That, that's Beethoven. Beethoven, um, <laughs> Beethoven, there you go, that's it. Yeah. I'll refrain from going off on a tangent. <laughs> but you, you would give them something that would pique their interest so that they could dive in further. Gotcha. The same way, with there's enough in the Bible that you can usually find maybe what interests them or what's going to speak to situations in their life and encourage people to get into that rather than some generic, here's my one plan for every Christian ever sort of idea. Yeah. Um, I'm at a loss to communicate this to people because once you are close to God's word, it's so precious. I know the scripture I was thinking of is 1 John 3, 9. Okay. Finish your thought and then I'll read that. Uh, I wish you could experience the comfort, the peace, the surety, the the security that comes mm-hmm. with with a comfortable familiarity with God's word, where that you're continually encouraged, continually redirected, continually challenged, continually convicted. It draws you closer to God like nothing else will do, and you have to want to do this and you have to decide to do this. Mm. And um, we just want to encourage you by this, vis- uh, by this video to, to, to dive in and start somewhere. But this passage in first John three talks about the transformation of new birth yeah. and what is at the, at the essence of that. Read it for us. So it says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. All right. So why can this person not keep living a life of sin? Because God's seed abides, remains, lives in him or her. Mm-hmm. All right. That seed is the word of God, Luke 8, 11. First mm-hmm. Peter 1, 23. We've been born again of incorruptible seed, the word of God, which lives and abides. So when the word lives in you, and that only comes through 
this seeking and growth yeah. and instruction when it lives in you then it will so change you that you won't be able to live a lifestyle of sin you will continually draw near to god that's the power yeah of god's word and i think a lot of people may get discouraged in this process because they want something to happen instantly or they want to feel magically changed or things will just be immediately different in their life and yeah, they want to read 10 minutes and go to the drive up window of god's word and get a get a double cheeseburger and yeah, be full. yeah. i mean unfortunately that's <clears throat> kind of the way we view things a lot of times but mm -hmm. this is one of those it's a slow build a lot of times and it will surprise you when it happens if the word lives in you people will see it if it doesn't people will see that yeah if you feel yourself and drink deeply from the spirit of god you're drinking deeply from his word so mm. however however um roughly we've done this video <laughs> we'll see when he edits it <laughs> but i hope you'll be challenged to get into the word for yourself yeah and receive as much instruction as you can whether through tapes or videos or bible classes or whatever because truly it's the thing that will lead you to spiritual growth like nothing else yeah so if you choose to go deep into the thick weeds of theology and bible knowledge great but this isn't just for those people this uh -uh. is literally for everybody it's as about part of reading our, your bible yeah it's part of our spiritual growth this seed that is within us and growing and changing us amen and that's for everybody so absolutely take whatever part you can and get moving. <laughs> and we welcome whatever questions or comments you have about yeah. this and what we can explain in a better way. And we just want to help however we can. Yeah. So, I mean, in the past, we've done videos about reading plans and sure. different resources. So look those up. But things change. Get in touch with us. We'd be glad to help you out. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> we'll see you all later. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.